This episode of the Golf.com podcast is brought to you by the USGA. We are now only four weeks from the U.S. Open at Aaron Hills. For more information on the event, visit usopen.com. Hello, this is Alan Shipnuck, back with another podcast for The Knockdown. Thanks, as always, for listening. I am delighted to have as our guest this time around Kip Henley, PJ Tour caddy, and quite a character. We're doing something different this time. We're going to alter the the time-space continuum and go back to the future here with this intro. I originally sat down with Kip at the Players' Championship uh, on the eve of the tournament. He had a nice run there with Vijay Singh and then fired him at the end of the tournament. This conversation took place just before all that happened. Uh, Kip and I subsequently had a little text volley and he told me, you know, I still admire many things about Vijay. I just didn't want to be his caddy anymore. So there's a little bit of VJ in here, which I think you'll enjoy, even though you know that Kip has, has now canned him. <laughs> but uh, without further ado, we're going to pick up the conversation where I have introduced Kip and welcomed him to the podcast. And here we go. Kip, thanks for doing this. <laughs> That's very good uh, bring in there, boss. Are we starting? We're starting. All right, man. Good. All right. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah. You're a social media celebrity. You're, you're a former pro golfer. You're a, a caddy of some repute. And now you're, you're packing for Vijay Singh, the big Fijian, which every time I wrote a story about Vijay, I tried to work that phrase into it. The, the big, big Fijian. Fijian. Yeah. I just yeah. found it satisfying. So it's only been a few months. What is, uh, what is your impressions of, of Vijay? Is he still as pure as ever? It's amazing, yeah. I mean, his game is as big as it's ever been. And, uh, you know, he's 54 years old now, and he's fighting, going to the senior tour. He really doesn't want anything to do with that. You know, he's uh, he'll, he'll probably play a few, but he's going to – still, he still thinks he can win out here, and I know he can still win out here. So it's kind of fun to be with him. And it's nice to uh, caddy for a guy when you go, who do you caddy for? You say, uh, VJ. Oh, VJ. They get all excited. You know? <laughs> yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. I yeah, mean. that's right. The guy's got more wins than Lee Trevino. More wins than Gary Player on the tour. You know, Gary yeah. Player has 5,000 wins, if you ask him. But on the actual PGA Tour, the guy's he's won more than that. Killed uh, Raymond Floyd ain't even in his window. There's only like a handful of guys. But more, VJ's an amazing cat, man. Yeah. I hope you're getting paid by the hour. Yeah, a lot of people say that, you know. Uh, people say, uh, Kip, what is his practice uh, schedule? And I always say, can to can't. And they go, what's that? And I go, to where you can see and you can't see. That's when we practice. But I probably should have negotiated an hour <laughs> salary, but uh, it's not it's not crazy. I mean, he, he practices hard. You know, he wants to feel like he's prepared. So, And I'm, and I'm kind of the... I'm, I'm trying to push him back a little bit. Say, V's, let's try and chill this afternoon. And he goes, you don't get it, bro. So we're going to practice. So this is part of the gig. He does have a funny vocabulary. Like, yeah, he does. You, you don't expect a bro from VJ, but he's got all kinds of little things like that. Right? He likes to whip bro out on you and stuff. But. Also, that giggle of his makes me laugh oh, yeah. every time. It's like it's a little amazing. girl. Yeah. He's a big He's a big cat. Six. He's got to be 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, you know, he's very intimidating. A, a death stare, you know. He doesn't suffer a fool. I mean, if you come, if you approach him and you don't have a pretty solid prepared question, you watch out because it ain't going to go over good. But you know, he gets beat on a lot. I, you you would understand. I think if if we were in that situation every day, it would get old. You know, Tiger and these guys are amazing that that they just don't snap at somebody every single day. You know, Ricky Fowler is. I mean, 
he is he's Arnold Palmer times two now, in my opinion, for what he has to deal with, and still, you know, never seems to show an angry side and stuff. It's it's tough. I think we'd all be different if we were in there. I mean, you your your life spans a lot of pro golf here. Isn't it crazy? You know, I think about it from time to time. Uh, it's, you know, I spent, you know, I tried to play like crazy for, with both hands for 100 years. <laughs> and just, I was at that last little piece, you know, I just couldn't pull up that last little bit. And and out here, I kicked myself thinking, you know, should have done this, should have done that and stuff. But What should you have done? Uh, really, this will be terrible. I'll get just killed for this. But I should have never went to see Jack Grout. I went to see Jack Grout in 1982. It's not and, like he taught anybody any good. No, I mean, he taught the best <laughs> how to play the game, you know, or second best if you call Tiger, but the Tiger fans. But uh, I'm glad you know him. A lot of folks want to know The younger guys will go, who, Jack, who? But in 1982, when I first turned pro, I just won the State Open in Tennessee, and tour school was coming to the course where I won the State Open. It was just a few months away. And I mean, I was winning everything in Tennessee. I was... I mean, I was an eight birdie guy every round. I was a machine. And I didn't know a lot about what I was doing, but I just knew I was good. You know, it's more like Bubba kind of golf. Yeah. And uh, I had a backer say, and he was Gibby Gilbert. And his intentions were pure as he could be. He said, I'll give you some money, but you have to go see Jack Grout. And so I got my card. I mean, I could tell you, that'll fill up a 15 minute story whenever you want to hear it. It's a good story. But, <laughs> but he changed the way I eat breakfast those three days where I went to uh, Muirfield for lessons in 82. And that was on my birthday in July, and tour school was coming around in, like, October. It was a terrible, terrible decision on my part. But then that pushed me into, you know, the, the club pro end of the game, just out of sheer necessity, and then where I learned so much about the game, the rules and, the, you know, a lot of stuff that don't help you much in your life, like how much water's in the cart battery and things like that. But, <laughs> but I learned a lot about the, you know, the inner workings of the game. And I studied that because I was a club pro. I studied the teaching side of the game. And that paid off out here a lot, you know. And I studied the mental side of the game for my playing, trying to be a player. And that paid off out here a lot. So, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm pr pretty okay at a lot of crap and great at none of it. So, <laughs> so if, if you never had gone to see Jack Grout, you took the money, you negotiated a, not having to go to Muirfield, where would you be now? Well, how would it have played I out? I would have had you? an outdoor butler. I wouldn't be one. I would have had an outdoor butler, and I would have been so good to that guy. But uh, I mean, when I get to heaven, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna first thing I'll ask God, why? What happened? What was my? Where was the mess? And he'll probably say, Jack Grout should have never went and seen. That was crazy. He was older than. <laughs> have you ever told the story to Nicholas? No, he wouldn't want to hear it. You know, good lord, he wouldn't hear it at he all. And, and I don't, I'm not throwing rocks at Jack Grout. I mean. He was a little older then, you know, yeah. but it was a terrible decision with tour school right around the corner. Yeah. I almost made it through it, hitting it like an idiot anyway. My short game was so good in those days, you know. I could get it up and down out of a moving car with the windows rolled up when I was 21 years old, so bad decision, but who knows. So who were some of the guys you used to beat when you were, you know, an amateur golfer who, who made it? Anyone that I would have heard of? I mean, when I played the mini tours, you know, after I failed at tour school, I went straight down. You know, I raised like $7,000 was my total backing in 1982, you know. Yeah. Tour school was only like $500 in those days. So then I took what I had left over after paying Mr. Grout and failing at tour school. And then I took it down to a thing called J.C. Goosey's Tour, which is in Orlando. And all the old studs will know what I'm talking about. And, you know, I, I grew up on super fast 
bent grass, perfect bent grass greens at Creek's Bend where I grew up in Chattanooga. And I went down to Orlando in the winter where they're in the they're in the process. They're going from bent. And they've just put down rye and it's it's an inch long and you can't. I couldn't make it from a foot. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at these old guys down there just banging the crap out of the putt and they're making putts and I can't get I can't shake it in from three feet. So I ran through that six or five thousand dollars I had left over in no time. <laughs> Came home, but tail between my legs and went to work. And that was it. And that was it. For a long time. But then, even then, as a tourist, you know, as a club pro, you know, as an indoor pro, I was staring out that window the whole time. Now, I was good at my job. I was a good I was a good indoor pro, man. Yeah. I took care of the members, and it's nice to the mean people. And, uh, you know, we ran a busy, busy place there where I was in the Fairfield Glade for 100 years. So. But I was always staring out that window, and, and I would win money in the section events, and I would take it and straight to tour school every year, 1,000, 2,000. I must have failed tour school a dozen times, ten times, and uh, a lot of the ca- uh, players out here now, uh, they'll say, "You're not a player. You're a caddy." You know, like if you try and help a guy, so like, yeah. please don't ever say that. You know, I realize I flunked ten times. I know I'm not a player. You know, <laughs> I am a caddy, but I'm trying my tail off to help you win golf tournaments. You know, anything it takes. So. Yeah. So. How agonizing is it to be that close? I mean, if you can if you can get to tour school and you can make a legit showing there, oh. you're so close. And then, and then when I, once I started out here, you know, uh, I quit. I walked away from that great club pro job. I mean, I had a fabulous club pro job. I had two days off a week. I worked a, pretty much a forty hour work schedule, which is unheard of. I had vacation <laughs> time. I could plan as many golf terms as I wanted. I could teach Miss Havercam all day if I wanted to. I had a I had a slick job. I wasn't making a ton of cash, but I had a great club pro job. Any I, members' daughters? No. You know, that my that my beautiful bride came to me through the pro shop, though. Her mom come and play golf. But, uh, you I went through the mom? That's that's solid She strategy. came in and she said, you need to meet my daughter. And that's how it all came about. She showed me a picture and it was terrible of her. And at that time, I was young and single and the only out of town or in town. I was doing okay, but... <laughs> I, I thought, don't bring that thing in here. But then she showed up the next day and she dropped dead gorgeous, beautiful. So it all started from that, 82. And they were members at the club? She, you know, as a property owner. It was a, yeah. it was a POA kind of deal, property owner association. She was a member. So so you were kind of you know moving out of your social strata there, you know, scooping up the member's daughter. <laughs> yeah. How did delicate, that go down? Delicate. At least I didn't mess with the the, the member's wives. You know? <laughs> I kept that part clean, so. It worked out beautiful. I mean, good. And I'm uh, in July. It'll be uh, uh, July 11. Be 30 years for me and the misses, the greenskeeper, as I call her. You know. So Congratulations. Sure. That's tremendous. Very proud of that. I know she she got a little uh, internet fame with her Facebook post yeah. talking about how it's not so easy being being a golf widow. No, she told a heartfelt story. You know, she's like you, Ship. She's she has a gift with a pencil, man. She can really put her feelings to to paper and this and you'll be in tears reading her stuff she can write books she's an amazing chick even though she fell for me she's not smart in all facets of life <laughs> she has only one flaw <laughs> yeah she blew that one but she can't take it back <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll get we'll get back to her so let's let's keep going through your journey through golf because i find it fascinating because you have done everything so so i kept trying tour school you know and then flunk 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 and then uh I walked away from that great job and tried tour school again. I had tons of backing this time. I raised almost like 70000 for me to go play on. That's real money. Oh, solid cash, you know. And I had a – a lot of guys say, you know, they had, I didn't have the money 
I didn't have the family support. I had everything, dude. I had everything but a game. And so uh, my game just wouldn't get out of town very good. You know, if you come, if I got comfortable at home, I'd beat your brains in. You know, if you came into my den, I'd beat you. But I just didn't get out of town good. But part of the, here, here's the thing, you know, I started caddying. And I started with a Tennessee boy. This is caddying on tour, Eric Axley, a left-hander. And he didn't. He had kind of limited status. And we were doing okay. We were moving in the right direction as a caddy. Well, back up. How did how did you decide to caddy? Oh, okay. How did you yeah. link oh, up with Axley? There's another part of the story. for the uh, uh, In 04, after I'd already quit my job, I was still teaching around Tennessee and trying to stay in the section so I could win some money, you know. And still teaching and still club pro. I'm still playing, still mini-touring everywhere. Me and the kids uh we played the hooters tour full-time for in 2000 and then in 04 the big break rolled around you know the the second you know this is the big break I remember too. and i got lucky and beat o double d in the finals of that thing and that was a game changer for me that get, that opened the door wide back open again you know i had four starts on the nationwide and i say four i'd won the section event the year before the big break so i was exempt into two section events I mean, two uh, the Tennessee nationwide events. So I had six starts on the nationwide, and uh, since I'd won the section, I had a six starts on the nationwide and another start in Memphis that I, you know, the FedEx. I played in that thing six or seven times, and so, and uh, never made a cut. You know, I came close the first the first tournament. I had a two shot penalty, and uh, I remember that. You remember that? Yeah, oh, cool. Yeah, that made me look like a decent guy, but it wasn't that great. It was just like, I'm not cheating. I just called a penalty on myself, you know. <laughs> so I flunked again, and then uh, uh, out of sheer desperation, I started caddying. And, and people ask me from time to time, you know, I had all these buddies that kept making it. Yeah. And I never made it. But, uh, you know, you asked me once, who did you beat? I used to beat, John Houston was the only guy I could beat. On the mini tours. He's the only guy that down there that I beat, but he stayed after it. You know, I quit, ran out of money, went back to Chattanooga. He stayed after it. And then, and then since then, how many millions has he made? When I started covering the tour in 94, like John, he was at his peak. I mean, that guy was shooting yeah. 65 every week. He could take like. it deep. He could it? take it really deep. Yeah. yeah it kind of had that like sort of mechanical swing, but when it was grooved, man. Oh, man. <laughs> it was cool to watch. But yeah. Houston was about the only guy I could beat down there. And I didn't beat him every time, but. He's about the only one I ever did beat. <laughs> Our paths went different. Yeah. So how do you how do you sell it to the greenskeeper? Hey, I'm going to become a caddy. How'd that uh, go? She was happy, you know, <laughs> me, me, me more gone. And that might be some of the, the key to our longevity is me being gone somewhere. It's good for any relationship. Right. But, oh, I started with uh, Eric Axley, and then I switched over to Brian Gay. And, uh, you know, here's an interesting note. I'd been with Axe like seven terms. And, you know, we were we – were, Trending, it was good, but Brian had already secured his card for the following year. He's kind of a veteran at the time, you know. He'd been out there eight or nine years, and I told Axe, "Man, I'm so sorry. This is rotten, but you know, I'm trying to make money, so I'm jumping ship." I went over to Brian. So, the following week, Wait, hold on. Does that give you a little, you know, a little credibility in the caddy yard when you fired a player, or did you guys <laughs> give you like little knuckle bones? I hate to call it fired, you know. Uh, Axis. But that, that's what it is. It's kind of, yeah. I mean, it's kind of it that. It but it's it's a fine, you know, it's a business too. I mean, they're gonna. If, you but ninety nine percent of the time, it's the caddies getting fired. So yeah, got, sure. It's got to be kind of cool. It, you kicked him. I'm to the not curb. gonna call it cool, but <laughs> it's better than getting yourself kicked to the curb. And it, but it happens, you know. Occasionally, a player get fired. They're not usually happy about. it. Axe wasn't happy about it. You know, it strained our relationship for a while. But then time, he realized, you know, yeah. that I'm just trying to feed my kids. Yeah, sure. 
And so the note to that story is I quit Axe, go to Brian Gay. The following week is San Antonio. Brian doesn't go. The course doesn't fit him that great. So I'm sitting on the couch and watch Eric Axley win San Antonio. And I watch $80,000 shoot right out the window. It's a little <laughs> smaller purse. The following week. So, I mean, that was it. So all of a sudden, I'm the biggest idiot on earth. He should have broken off some of that for you. Just you <laughs> just, know you yeah. motivated him. Yeah, let's say, let's tell Axe, I laid the groundwork for that win, right? I mean, no, I don't think you, 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 you wounded his pride. He had something to prove That's the right. whole tour. It, it, you know, that might have had a little bit of something to oh, do with it. Yeah. You know, this caddy rich man, I'm going to show him. <laughs> and uh, Bobby Brown, the uh, the caddy that caddy for Dustin for a yeah. while, was a recipient of that terrible move. But it was only a terrible move for a short time because yeah. it turned around the other way and Brian Gay became a. Uh, well, so I've known Brian Gay his whole career right. because you know I wrote a book that Steve Duplantis was one of the protagonists, yeah. and that was one of his first loops. You know, was for after after he got canned by Fury, yeah. he latched on to Brian Gay when he was basically his second year out on tour, right. and what could great barely stories. could barely break seventy four. And so I've always kind of monitored Gay from afar, sure. and. You know, his, when his breakthrough and kind of ascension into a, really a, a very solid tour player has been, been fun to watch. So yeah. tell me about his evolution and, and what you saw from inside the ropes. Uh, uh, Brian Gay, I mean, easily the most consistent, most fabulous short game on on the planet. He, I mean, he doesn't have the, the miracle stuff that Mickelson uh, possesses, but if you put a ball on a tight in-the-grain Lie to where a guy has to pitch it 20 yards and land it soft, which is really the hardest shot in the game for me. It ain't the 60 yard bucket, it's that. Yeah. And the guy just clips it off there, just money, money. You know, when Brian Gate, when I was carrying from Brian Gate and he had a little pitch off the edge of the green, I was looking at girls. I wasn't even, you know, a lot of times with a guy, you're, you're biting your nails and going, come on, come on. And him, I mean, it's total relax. It's getting up and down. And, but, but, you know, when I signed on, he was a great putter. But I would like to think I had a little bit of input in his wins. You know, he had zero wins and ended up with four. And I was with him with all of them, you know. And he had been out there eight or nine years. And, I mean, he was he's the greatest putter on earth. And he had switched teachers at that time right then. And we kind of came on the board at the same time. So I'm not saying I'm the reason Brian Gay won. Got, I'm not. But it's I, I'd like to think I had a little piece in there somewhere, sure. you know. I mean, that, that's always the question I get from golf fans and, and people who, who don't follow the game that closely is, how important is the caddy? I mean, these guys make so much money. They have their own followings, you know, if you're a Bones or you're a Fluff or, you know, people are shouting their names out all day long. How much of a role does the caddy play in a player's success? Obviously, it's, it's, it, it fluctuates with the personality. Sure. You know, there's some guys that can't stand you know the, you're out there it's just a necessary evil they can't carry it on back they have to hire you they're gonna pay as low as they can and go on with it and they don't want any input and it works for some of those cats but just give me a few names yeah let me think about it no but if if I'm, i believe that if those guys who have this attitude about caddies if they would just drop the the me 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 or the the i can do this all by my own if you have a caddy that knows what he truly knows what he's doing, two heads are better than one. Now there's times, you know, like if if I'm a green reader and my guy wants me to read greens, and Brian Gay was it. I read every putt, you know, as longer than his midsection for six years. We read every putt together for years and years, and he was one of the best. 
But there was days where, you know, I would have a different read than him. And then Brian would, you know, he wouldn't take my word for it. And and then I was right. And then the next hole, he go, well, Kip was right, so I'm going to take his word for it. Then I missed that one. So you have those days where there's battle, that inner battle with your brain, you know. And if, you, if you're a smart enough cat to get through those days and just, or to let those reads go, two, two brains are way better than one, even reading greens. And because the days when you're seeing them together, that's when a caddy, a good green reader and a good putter, they can go crazy because it's just constant reinforcement. Holy, yeah, it's it. It's one ball all day, man. Bang, right in there. So if you got to, you know, reading greens can be delicate. I can see where a, a guy, but in in the long run, if he's a good green reader and a good and understands the game, the caddy can be very valuable. But, you know, I couldn't caddy for you and you get a tour card, Alan. I don't think. <laughs> I'd like to believe that was the case, but uh, no, I don't think I could get a tour card. Um are, are PJ Tour caddies overpaid? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you, you got to look. You got to. You got to divide it. The top caddies are grossly overpaid. The only person more grossly overpaid is the guy who's paying them for whacking a golf ball. Now, there. I'm telling you, sixty percent of the if you, I would say the top fifty caddies are really doing great. You know, the fiftieth guy, he's probably banking. Close to a hundred grand to get fiftieth caddy on the tour, real close. May I might be a little high, and then the guy who gets his card, the one twenty five. That honest to God, that guy's not banking forty grand after his expenses and after his taxes. You know, we're independent contractors, our income tax brackets high. That guy's probably banking forty, thirty, fifty, and he don't have a retirement and he don't have an insurance package. You know, and he gets his lunch paid for by, by the tour, but most events. But it ain't that. There's a bunch. You know that. Think about that. There's, I'd say there's 180 full time caddies on the PJ tour. Yeah. You know, they're caddying 10 to 15 events. Alan, the bottom, the bottom 60, they're breaking even, and the bottom cats are losing their tail. They're not making a dollar. They're losing money. They're going to be negative. So it ain't all. You know, it's, sure. it's not all Bones and Mickelson and. You know, you can't get fired, and you and you got a great big house. I mean, I love that, and yeah. Bones deserves it because he's caddying for the, you know. I look at it like it's a bat boy. You know, you got a bat boy for the Chattanooga Lookouts, and you got a bat boy for the Yankees. The guy who's bat boy for the Yankees, <laughs> he's going to get nicer food and, and digs, you know. He's going to have a better gig. I mean, there's just a feeling that if, if you're caddying for a top player, you're a top caddy. Is there always that oh, one-to-one correlation? Part of that, you listen, that's the easily the most frustrating thing out here, you know. <laughs> I mean, that, oh, you see these guys, their head outgrows their, you know, their, because their guy can play really good golf. And and maybe they're good at their, you know, man, some of them, most of them, most of them are really good at their job and are helpful cats. But there's some that just happen to be caddying for a, an absolute stud. I'll never put out names. It'd be caddy suicide. But uh, I'd like to see some of these top guys caddy for one or two of these boys that I've caddy for to see how they do. But whatever. I mean, that's just the jealous enemy, I guess, you know. But That's human nature. Yeah. Yeah. That's a frustrating thing. Very yeah. frustrating part of my job. I mean, there's plenty of, you know, 40-year-old insurance brokers out there who are, are good players and they caddy the summers when they're in college and they, they nurse that dream of coming out on tour and being between the ropes and have the sun on their back and being on TV yeah. and all that. My office is cool. Your office is very cool. Yeah. So 
do those guys have a chance, or is it so clickish that you just can't break in unless it, you get lucky? They, I mean, if you think the, it's clickish in the tenth grade in the girls' locker room at, at gym, <laughs> dude, it, it, with the PJ Tour cat is destroyed. It's a very clicky thing. There's some mean cats out there and stuff, and I try to be nice to everybody. And I mean, I got a lot of the cats that just don't like me, and, and I, I think it's just because I talk so much. You know, like I'll get. That's kid. why we're here, kid. Yeah, I'll get killed for this and try not to push me in any terrible situations. But, you know, I like to be honest and upfront and, and have fun, but I'm, I don't have a mean bone in my body. Unless you've done something to harm me or my family, then I'll come at you times 10. But if you don't come at me first, I'll never come at you. <laughs> so, you know, a guy like, like Michael Greller, who, you know, just sort of lucks into this job with yeah. Jordan Spieth when he's an amateur. They they click. He comes out on tour. How does a guy like that get treated when he first shows up on tour? Oh, he had he had rocks thrown at him like crazy. Now Griller's easily one of my favorite guys, and yeah. the guy's he's gone to three years of Harvard. He's learned. I mean, that guy could caddy for anybody as well as I can. The guy understands the game inside out. Of course, he's up there every week where the pressure's mounting on the times ten, and he's caddy for a very cerebral cat. The guy's learned how to caddy. Period. Uh, he, I mean, he got thrown into the fire as being a, a, just a total dingbat. You know, he had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> but now he, he's as good as there is out here, in my yeah. opinion. Now, he's one of my favorite cats. Yeah. He's such a good human, man. That boy's the best. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I'm not even Greller in particular, but just when, when a new caddy comes out on tour because he grew up with the guy or they're college roommates right. or whatever. What, what that, do, never, that, that part never, ever, you know, unless he's a total ass, you know, that doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. I, I, I like I mean, in fact, I tweeted, you can look it up. There's a couple things I said. This Spieth kid is the real deal. Of course, that wasn't really going out on a limb. But yeah. I liked his little arched left wrist yeah. that seems to repeat under pressure. A shut player hits it, hits it better, uh, straighter under pressure than a, an open face player. But uh, another thing I, I tweeted, you can look it up. If you look back through the tweets, I said, the, you know, I know that uh, Spieth's getting a lot of uh, pressure from you know, uh, agents or whoever, other players, other caddies, hey, this guy's a math teacher or whatever. Yeah. Get you a real caddy. And I tweeted, the dumbest thing for uh, George Spieth to do is be to get rid of Michael Griller because he puts him at ease. And that's the most important thing we do, the psychology of the game, in my opinion. And uh, I said, be the dumbest thing he ever did. Wait till he fails. You know, he hasn't failed at anything yet. Let yeah. him just be stupid to get rid of Griller. And it turns out, you know, I think it's a brilliant move. Where does, like, Austin Johnson fit into this? Because, you know, Austin. Th that was the conventional wisdom. Dustin needs an old, hard-ass caddy to keep him in line. And he went the total opposite way, got got his brother, who we all know is kind of a, a funny character. Right. But he's he, the, the success speaks for itself. So is that really what it is? It's just the interpersonal relationship is more important than anything else? It, it's no doubt. The, you know, putting a guy at ease and knowing what to say to him. And your brother, you know, he's not going to BS you, you know. Austin's going to tell Dustin if he's being an idiot. And he might get in trouble for it and Dustin may come at him. But he's not going to. If he tells Dustin the uh, ant can pull the wagon, Dustin will go to the bar and get the hitch. He'll believe his brother. His brother's <laughs> not going to blow smoke, you know. So there's a, something to that. And, you know, me, when I played, I, my oldest brother was my best caddy. I mean, I played great with him, you know, as, as my caddy. My little brother was, was better at it, but he never would caddy for me because he knew I stunk. But he caddied once or twice. But, but uh, yeah, that's, that's my answer to that. <laughs> So the, the life of a caddy interests me. Um, how do you 
cut costs on the road and give me some <laughs> horror stories of some some old sleeping arrangements yeah you know what i kind of came out here after towards the end of it you know you have a you have one or two guys that uh never seem to have a rental car and always looking for a ride you know and they ask you my little brother has a great question they'll say uh, brent which way are you going he'll go which way are you going <laughs> he always was first and they go this way well i'm going that way you know, if, if it's the same cat you know you want to help a guy out you know i threw a guy bone this week that Help the guy out, but if it's the same guy, nobody wants to. My wife says I don't cut any corners, is what she says. You know, I stay at the, I'm not at the Waldorf, but I'm not at the flea bag in either. You know, I, and I don't like to room with other caddies. And I like to do houses with other caddies, but hotel rooms with the caddies, that's tough. I don't like it. You know, I snore, and I'm a, I'm a, uh, what's it, what's it called when you can't sleep at night? I'm insomniac. I mean, I, I mean, I like to turn the TV on and. So my caddy stories aren't as great as some of the old ones. There's some great ones. The old ones are unbelievable. Oh, yeah, there's five and six to a room, you know. And If your guy wins a tournament, are you still expected to pick up the check on Sunday night with your boys? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like if you're staying in a house, you know, uh, you know, or a, a, a hotel, you're going to be expected to get it. I got, I got killed for that because one time in Hilton Head when we were staying like in a, I think we are in like a $3,000 house, you know, for the week, and there's like, six of us in there and there's a lot of the buddies my flunk the flunky buddies of brents that from chattanooga <laughs> show up and so everybody has their own bedroom and i won hilton head and i said boys listen don't hate me i'm gonna put 15 undo towards this house i'm not paying all three i just made 100 grand i'm gonna give you guys three of it give me a break so i paid 1500 two or three of them creamy for it for not buying the whole thing but i mean <laughs> what hotels three grand for the week so i, I mean i thought it was fair so whatever <laughs> You can't please them all, so you got to please yourself. And now, one quick message from the USGA. You may know the USGA for their 14 annual championships, which are widely regarded as the ultimate tests in golf. But there's more to the USGA than just the golf competitions. In fact, USGA scientists are currently working on what they call health of the game solutions. They're helping golf facilities reduce the reliance on water. The USGA Innovation Team has launched a resource management app that helps course superintendents better allocate their resources and ensure a better experience for golfers. That better experience is exactly what the USGA wants golf to be both now and 50 years down the line in the future. That's why they're also modernizing the game's rules in conjunction with the RNA over in Scotland. And with that, they want your help. Visit USGA.org to check out the list of proposed rules changes that are expected to go into effect January 1, 2019. You can share your feedback with golf's governing bodies there online and help them in their grassroots growing of the game. And now, back to Alan Shipnuck and Kip Henley. So have you ever been involved in, a, in an altercation with another caddy on the golf course? No, uh, you mean like a fight? I've had words with a couple. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you can feel the tension out oh, there when, when things go. Yeah, one of the biggest ones hates my guts. I mean, I can't say who it is, but hates my guts. Why and, is that? And I, I have no idea. Yes, you know. Well, I can't say because it'll give the story away. But uh, Just change a few little details. No, I mean, I can't do it. Just uh, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I just sense the, and it's like when you go out with him, it's like, damn dude i got a job to do here too you know i know your guy's the man but my guy's trying to make the cut yeah. my guy's hundred grand's way more than your million is that cat you know yeah. so i got a job to do i'm not i don't begrudge you from doing your job and doing it well but don't 
big dog me. I hate that. And when I came out here, I got big dogs at first, you know, 11 years ago. When I came, I had a couple of the veteran caddies. Not all, but a few of them were just so nasty to me. And it made an impression on me. I said, I'll never, ever do that. And, like, I went to Griller, and I went to all those boys. Hey, I'm Kip. You need something. You call me. And if I can help you, you know, if it ain't money, I'll usually help you out. Best <laughs> I can because I don't have any money, but. Anything to help the young guy. I, I will never smash up a, a rookie caddy, ever. I'll never do that because it hurt my feelings. I'm kind of a sissy. Was, was that because you were a, a reality TV star? Oh, that had a, little, a lot to do with it. You know, yeah. people, the cat, some of the caddies, it's such a weird thing. You know, that never hurt me to see another guy do well. It doesn't hurt me to see a guy do it. As long as he doesn't outgrow his britches, I could, I'm pulling for everybody, you know, not in a playoff. Or something I want him to miss, but it, you know, it doesn't hurt me to see you do well. I don't get that, yeah. and a lot of cats, boy, cat, I still get it. I'm still catch so much grief for, you know, I'm a little bit more out there than most cats. The scene not heard is <laughs> doesn't fit a kid for very good. <laughs> I mean, did did Brian ever tell you to, you know, Brian Gay ever tell you to tone it down on Twitter? No, you know, yeah. as a matter of fact, no, and neither has the PGA Tour. And boy, I rode, I pushed right to the to the edge there a few times early and then i you know i even took a swing at one of the players years ago and, and i knew brian had to catch a little grief for that and i told bg i'll never ever do that again i'll never you know i'm not saying i, I crossed the bro code on that i didn't but uh, you know i kind of came at another player and it was wrong and i and i said you know i understand that's stupid but he and brian never said a word refresh but, my memory on that no you can just lure you back through. I can't, man. I got a caddy suicide here. You're, so, you're, you're, too, you're too discreet. No, yeah, like I'm Mr. You're discreet. too discreet. I am seen, not heard, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> I can't, but uh, I, I'll never cross the bro code. You know, I'll see something that's kind of like a, a, a discriminator or whatever. I would never, ever do that to a player or a caddy. They, they have to know. I like to deal out as much info as I can without crossing yeah. over, you know. And you're defying the bro code as... Cheating on their wife, or are you well, talking, or talking no, about like golf well, stuff? Well, I'm, I don't know if that happens out here or not. I'm sure it does somewhere, but <laughs> I would, something like that, you know, or even way smaller, you know. Yeah. So I would never cross the bro code ever. So how many times have you seen uh, cheating occur between the ropes? Cheating on the golf course? Yeah. I mean, almost every single round. Really? Almost every single round. And if people think there's no cheating out here, it's crazy. Well, some of it's intentional. Some of it's just well, that's ignorance. It. I mean. Breaking the rule because you don't understand the rule. I'm not right. counting that. I mean, where guys are trying to get an advantage. Yeah. That's what I'm really getting at. I see some. I see some. I mean, for caddies paying attention and understands the rules and knows what a guy's doing and sees the situation setting up and then quietly pays attention without letting them know you're paying attention. You can see a lot of stuff. Like what are what are what are some of the ways that guys? I mean, there's coin fudging that yeah. happens. Yeah. Know. And it's not rampant, but it's kind of rampant. You see it pretty much. Guys putting hybrids down behind their ball in the rough, and they're only going to hit a five iron, but they want to push the grass down. Can't, yeah, yeah I've, seen some, I've seen some of that. but So, I don't know. Cheating is a weird, weird thing, you know. And as a caddy, you're not, ugh, I'll, get, I'll get killed for this, but you really, you can't. I mean, unless something just crazy happens, a caddy ain't, can't call out a player. It ain't. You can't do it. Aren't you obligated to? Yeah, the rules or the code says you are, but I mean, if it's not something f super flagrant, I mean, you got to pull the old Judge Smells, you know, Danny, and look up and look the other way. But they'll get killed for that too, won't I? Yeah, I mean, my my career is over. Thanks a lot, Ship, for inviting me in on this.
I know where you're going. Quit it. I, I brought you a bottle of wine and some great beers. Yeah, you, you told me to drink it before we started the interview. Though. I think that might. I'm kidding. Uh, no, I mean Phil Mickelson just just went on, and in a press conference and said the same thing. It's he like, did. You know, See, I love Phil. He's one of my favorite guys to go out with. Yeah, he's fun. Oh, he'll talk to he'll talk to the caddies just as much as he'll talk to the players. I think it's just because he's wanting somebody just to listen to him. You know, and a lot of players they don't want to hear his stories because they want to hear their stories, but. I love going out there. I think the guy's awesome. So what is the code when, when you're starting around, you're the big-time player? Are you not supposed to talk to them until they initiate it? How does that go? That's something I've never been very good at. You know, I think that's why I got VJ's bag. You know, uh, years ago when Brian got paired with him, I figured he's not going to swing at me. I know he's a big, tough guy, and I've seen him cut guys off the knees. But I figure he's not going to punch me. So I'm going to go over, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give him little jabs and stuff. And, and I think that's why I, I don't know why he likes me. I don't know if he just kind of respected me as a player, and, and he probably was more like used to respect me as a, a caddy before he hired me. It's probably gone down <laughs> a little bit now, but uh, yeah, caddy, uh, going out with the big the big guys, the, I look at it like there's just more pretty girls in the gallery. It's not they they they're better at golf, nothing else. They're not better humans than me. They're better at golf than me, you know, and just a little. Some of them a lot, but. Can, can you still hustle somebody? Like, how good is your game these days? It's streaky, but, God, this can be so gross now. I mean, I'm even money to miss a green from 10 feet on a chip. <laughs> I call it chimp. I mean, I chimp so bad. <laughs> I chimp like Stevie Wonder. I'm so gross. I can still heat the putter up, you know. So I can play occasionally, but for now, I mean. What's the biggest money game you were ever a part of in your life? Hmm. Let me think about that. Uh... Where I had the action myself? Yes. Uh, nah, probably like 500 aside is the most I've ever. And then when, you, when you're making 16500 at the end of the year, 500 aside, that's significant. Very, very significant, you know. So, uh, How'd that, you do? I won money on that day. As a matter of, I, chipped in, I remember I chipped in on 17 when my body, that's how my game's changed. I chipped it from right in the fringe. And my body said, you got to butt that. Like, I'm chipping. I chipped it right in the middle. <laughs> and we robbed them, but uh, uh, I don't know. My money, I don't, I'm not a, you know, I love to gamble, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pissing a small time gambler, but I love to gamble. <laughs> well, so, okay, you mentioned VJ. I mean, you and, you and Brian Gay had a lot of success. Obviously, he, he lost about a year and a half of different injuries, oh, two yeah. surgeries. So, bad, but... so it's got to, what is it like to break up with a, a guy you've been through the wars with? Like, Dude, uh, tears and stuff. And I mean, golly. Uh, just, you get so, I mean, you know how rewarding it is, you know, for me to be with Brian Gay when he f- hoisted that first trophy. You know, there's nothing more. I mean, you if and if you guys are, and if he'll let, if he'll bring you in and he'll make you part of the team, there's, I mean, it's so rewarding to be there. Like, it's, it's so nice. I mean, it's, I mean, obviously the money's where it's at, and I do it for the, the the love of the money, not the love of my job. If I could make a hundred grand at home, I'd God quit tomorrow. I'd be <laughs> I'd be looking out the window, but I would I would take it two seconds. No, you would miss this life too much. Come on, part of you know the but the gone part stinks for the family part. But yeah, it's a I mean I get to see and do a lot of cool things, and and if I'm caddying late Sunday, there ain't many. Only the guy you're handing the clubs to has a cooler job than you do, in my opinion. It's a cool job. Yeah. Late Sunday. Yeah. What about early Sunday? If you're packing up, 
<laughs> Saturday morning or Friday night. Ugh, it's awful. And even teeing off early Sunday, and you got to figure out how you're going to get a shower before you get on the plane. And yuck, it's, it's stinky then. My job stinks then. So, why did you decide to go to VJ when, when you know, Brian's now playing some pretty good golf now that he's healthy? Well, I was forced into it. We, me and Brian were back together, you know. I had to I had to go away when he lost, you know, when he had his double surgery. He had thumb surgery, neck surgery. I had no choice then, but sure. I had to go find a job. And then he came back, and I had something going at the time that somebody, I don't know if I just signed on with Overton or Fath Hour or whoever it was, and and it looked like a pretty good gig, and I probably could have gone back to Brian, but you know I was thinking, young guy, ready to go, and bust him out, and and Brian's a little older, he's already hurt, and then uh, then I got rinsed for whatever, and then uh, Brian hired me back, and we took off great, and then Brian, he was at the end of a major medical. The reason I took off, period, he had seven starts left on his major medical. He had to make two hundred fifty thousand. And he was going to be out on his tail if he didn't. And I really, I told the wife, his wife, when I quit, he's, I think I'm almost 100% sure he's going to get it done, but I'm not sure he's going to get it done. And he's not playing anything. I sat at home for like three and four weeks because he only had seven starts and he could use them pretty much when he wanted to, not the invitationals, but he was only going to where it fit his game, which was exactly what he should have done. Yeah. But, you know, he's passing on all the big courses and I've got zero chance i'm sitting at home my wife's ate my guts and, and i said but uh, i mean it was another terrible terrible phone call bg i feel like i'm really throwing you under the bus i mean i apologize to his wife and his family and it's just awful but uh he he made me look like a big idiot already <laughs> he made 400 grand at two starts after i quit so yeah a, a little of that of that i show you guy yeah. But VJ hoisted his first trophy in nine weeks. I mean, in nine years, a couple of weeks ago. It was a senior event, but Kippy was standing right there beside him when, when that happened. So, How does that feel, senior tour versus PGA tour? Obviously, you look at the check. I mean, winning is winning. I love it. I mean, you're coming down the stretch and you're having to use your head and stuff. There's yeah. nothing more fun. But uh, the check is obviously, it's not as many numbers left to the comma. You don't have... <laughs> Uh, you don't have those great big checks, but it's cool. It was so much fun. That's it. it must be fun for you because you're obviously a, a golf fan at heart, and yeah, I these am. are guys you grew up watching. So it's Freddie yeah. Couples, and it's yeah. longer. And is, yeah. is there some a part of you that would like to be on the senior tour more to see those guys? Nah, not so much. The money's where it's at for me, and the and the <laughs> and the heat and the big crowds and stuff. That's where it's at. You know? Yeah. But uh, I've caddied out here for eleven years and. I haven't won a major, haven't been on a Ryder Cup, haven't been on a President's Cup, you know, so I've had some, i got some holes in my resume I want to plug. And you and think VJ can fulfill any of those? It's going to be harder for VJ to fulfill the role, but you know what, a little bit, uh, I don't know if I'll get killed for this, but, you know, I was Brian Gay's caddy, and, 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 and people, a lot of players pass over me, these young guys pass over me because I talk a lot, and I'm out there socially and stuff, but, uh, I was Brian Gay's caddy, and I think this helps me a little bit being with VJ. You know, I think it'll, you know, and if VJ takes off and he doesn't fire me, which is a great possibility, if, if he's doing great, then we'll ride that train too. I'll stay on the same train and do good. But if he rinses me, I think it'll give me a little bit more credibility in the caddy world. That's this is all delicate stuff I'm saying here, bud. So, I yeah, mean, yeah, I get it, but I mean, yeah, you have no contract you always have to be thinking uh, about the next move you're at the mercy yeah you got to think about your family and that's something i haven't been that great about you know i always think my family but 
I think I stuck out one or two situations longer than I should have when I should have just said, no, I'm leaving, you know. There's a ch better chance of me if I take off, but I didn't, just out of loyalty. But I think as I get a little older, I start thinking more about, you know, me and my family. Mm. But whatever. We'll see. I enjoy, I mean, working for VJ is cool as crap. I mean, I'm sitting there and watch this guy hit balls. It's 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 amazing to watch this guy hit shots. And you think he's got another PJ Tour victory? I know he's got a win left. In. He's 50 foot four. Yeah. And I mean, that ball, don't know how old he is. And I mean, that guy can hit it. He can stripe it. I, I'm telling you, two days ago, we still missed this cut at uh, the Wells Fargo. But that Thursday, with the wind blowing 30 miles an hour, in and out of the right, in and out of the left, way across and right across out of the right, down wind, left wind, the guy had the greatest driving day I've ever witnessed in my life. He missed one fairway with the wind just blowing 30 miles an hour. He's got tons of game. If he has a, a decent day on the greens, he's going to beat you. So uh, I want, I want, That's my mission, help that guy get a win big time out here. That would be sweet. Yeah, it would. But – he was he was never a great putter in his prime. Now he's he's you know ten years past his prime. Yeah, Can he shake in enough six footers to, to win? You know, I, and I look at his stroke, and he's got a good coach helping him now and stuff. And uh, yeah, he 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 he's putts good enough. He putts when you hit it that good, you don't got to putt that great, man. He <laughs> stripes it, so it would be cool to help him hoist a big trophy or so. I'd love that, that big be time. Cool. Be rewarding to me. Yeah. So a Ryder Cup, a major championship, these, these things make sense. But yeah. what are your what are your your unlikely caddy dreams? What's the one thing that to latch on with one of these young guys and just ride in a whomping all the way and just him just thrash everybody every week? That's <laughs> what I want to be a part of. And this is a lot to do with the money, but it's a lot to do with winning golf tournaments. There's nothing. It's cool to winning golf tournaments and. And I think I can. You know, I'm an old fat guy with gray hair, and I lose credibility. I'm not a tall. Six four, good looking caddy that's going to get a job before short, fat, ugly guy. Well, that matters. A, oh, don't think it doesn't for one second. It matters a lot. That sounds like a uh, uh, Napoleon uh, uh, thought, but it's true. I mean, the taller, good looking guys are going to get a bag quicker. I think. Just like if, you know, I think if if you're standing there looking at them and you don't know which one's worth a crap. And you would just you would talk take the tall good looking guy you know so <laughs> you lose a little bit of credibility by being fat stuff and so I but you're be, a known commodity I mean it's <laughs> not a beauty know. pageant kid come on no you're right and I I've got a lot to offer a cat if they if they'll let me do it but you know it's a catting is such an odd thing man the odd thing that we do I I got one story I'll tell you and I'll just kill yes, the guy. Please. When we've when I been out here, just I was with Brian Gay. We we're at TPC. This is a hundred years ago. This is when I still kind of looking out the window, wanting to go play. Yeah. So it's Tuesday night of TPC. Brian's on the very far right side of the range, and it's really late. Now he's got some lessons or something, and I look all the way across the range, and down there whacking balls, you can see it from two hundred yards away. Is Paul Goitus, and I looked at Brian Gay. Paul's whacking down there, and I go. Are you telling me I can't beat that guy? <laughs> you know, he drops down. Oh, yeah. It's a horrible looking swing. Unbelievable. And that was the year Goitus lost to Sergio <laughs> in a playoff. And Brian Gay, and of course, Brian Gay instantly goes, No, you cannot beat that guy. I'm like, I know, but you're just telling me. So stuff like that would just make you want to kill yourself when you came out here. You'd see these guys. But, <laughs> but the thing about these cats, uh, more than anything, I think, is they've learned to play with all the pressure. Yeah, you know they. I think that was probably the hole in my game. I don't know. 
Do caddies feel pressure? I mean, do you oh. choke? Oh yeah, caddies choke all the time. They choke all the time, and and I think that's I think that helps me being down. You know, I've played in a lot of tournaments. You know, I haven't won any tour events, but uh, I think that helps me uh, know to, how to handle it coming down the stretch to slow down and to slow your guy down and take your time and get the numbers and make caddies puke, man. You'll see caddies all the time get you know they'll get chalk mouth. They're not talking under pressure. That's when you got to talk more, you know, yeah. or about the right stuff and at the right time, you know. You talk about what you're gonna eat for dinner between shots and stuff and things like that, you know. How many times a year do you mess up the math? You just add it wrong. Oh yeah, I mean, VJ caught me last round we played on Friday, and I, maybe I would have caught it right before he hit the shot, but uh, he caught me, and it happens. I'm telling you, a caddy, a caddy will miss a number once a week. I bet a caddy misses a number once a week. That might be a little high, but and then usually you catch it at the last second, and sometimes you don't. But you know, uh, the player will catch it. But if you got a one guy with one yardage book, this is the caddy only. He 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 make mistakes that don't get caught, and sometimes they make mistakes that do get caught, and it's not good. <laughs> So if you give a guy a bad number yeah. and then he hits it like over the green and then yeah. you realize you gave him a bad number, do you say, man, caught a gust there? That's the one thing uh, I, I will never do. You know, if I misread a putt, I verbalize it. I killed you, boss. You know, I blew that. And if I see where I've missed a number, I will instantly go just to keep his psyche, you know, in right. check. I'm going to say, man, I, I'm an idiot. Bail me out. Get this up and down if I've ever – I can't remember if – Surely I've done it somewhere it didn't get caught, but Brian was a brilliant number. Brian Gay for, you know, Gay for 11 years for him or 10 years, just a genius. I mean, the guy's, he didn't make, he don't make many. He's, he's got, he's working his book too. So yeah. if I was caddy for some big dummy, then maybe I, I got one or two sitting over. <laughs> no, no one ever knew, only God knew. <laughs> I don't know. Does VJ get tired of you talking about Brian Gay? Oh yeah, yeah. He told me one time it's a hundred dollars next Brian Gay story, and then he, <laughs> and, then, and then he told Brian at uh at Hilton Head this year just before Brian beat our dang brains in. He goes, he goes. I don't know what you did to your man, but he sure tells a lot of Brian Gay stories. But I was with him for ten years, and we were in the battle together, man. It, we were brothers out there, you know. So, so I, I always pull for that guy. So when when you see him, is is it awkward? No, no. No, because he knows I love him, and he knows that I'm pulling for him, and he knows that it just, you know, uh, uh, it's a business, and and you try to handle it the best you can. And so, players and in, in caddies who have parted ways, and then when it is awkward, yeah, you see that. It's amazing how many times you get paired with a guy the following week. Right, I mean, exactly. It just happens every time. You get, so, oh, paired with so what is that like if you're in the group? And, Woo, and I've seen some tension filled things, but. Uh, Whose job is it to break the ice? Is, at some point, does the caddy have to go up to the player and say, "Hey, man, sorry"? Or, nah, you know? I think it's a, just a man thing, Alan. You know, uh, if you if you do it right, if you if 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 a caddy if a player rinses me and he does it right, I will never ever be upset ever. You know, uh, Fath Hour, who's I loved caddy for that cat, and he was a fiery fiery guy, and he he would speak without thinking a lot, and he would come at you sometimes and. And we were at the web finals and like with one more term to go and I was tired and he had come at me pretty hard one time and I fired back at him and something you just can't do as a caddy. But I was exhausted and he was coming at me more often 
than he was. And I felt like, well, if I don't stop it now, he'll just constantly kill me. So I fought back. And he rinsed me. We missed the cut, and he rinsed me that ne the following day. I was at home in Crossville, Tennessee, or wherever I was at. I remember the phone call. So when it rang, I knew what was coming. And he <laughs> says, Kip, and he's, and he's easily one of my favorite guys out there. I love this guy. He goes, Kip, you know, you've done so much for me and helped me so much, but he said, I think I'm taking my brother to the final. I said, Derek, that is the best move you could possibly make. I said, I fought back yesterday. I should have never fought back. And so you're going to be thinking about me at this next tournament, whether you say, and I said, it's a brilliant move. Take your brother. And he almost won that event. And uh, he even, he, he, he paid my salary the following week. And he wasn't, he, he didn't have much money. But that's the kind of guy he is. He, yeah. you know, he, he didn't have to pay my salary. And yeah. if he would have fired me politely the way he did, I would have been so, on, you know, I'm a Derek Fathour fan forever. Another guy who went on to great success after parting ways with you. Yeah, they almost all have. Well, who, who? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, Fat Hour, yeah. yeah. He's awesome. That guy is the best putter on the planet, maybe. He's really a fabulous putter. So how many years are you going to keep doing this, Kip? I felt like I got, you know, like six or seven good solid years left in me, you know, and then after that it'll be tapered down. No one's, I mean, it's hard enough to find a job now. And so it would be cool to latch on to somebody that build me a big house here soon so that's why i'm doing it for the money you know i don't believe you you don't is no. it for the love you know i question myself sometimes too so uh, you're Stop trying you're trying to sell one story but i'm not buying it I, you're not you i think, think i just love, love it, love it. it too much. i'm a golf nerd man you know i've studied i read all the books i even read your stuff that tell, <laughs> tells you how desperate i am it's the height of desperation <laughs> Are you breaking down? What's going on with your feet, your knees? I get a gout sometimes, you know. I, I tend to have, I like to drink at night sometimes. And so, uh, I don't, I mean, I always, I've got to shut her down if I've got to be there early. But I get gout, you know. But that hurts like hell. How do you, how do you uh, cat if you got gout? I, well, I catted Hawaii with one shoe one time. And uh, so, You're but it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen very often. And now I found ways to beat it with medicine and stuff. And, and my doctor told me, he said, Kip, you would have gout if you never had a drink in your life. People have gout. You would have gout. So that, that, to me, that's a green light to drink yeah, as much as you want. Yeah, just on, yeah. Just Thanks, Doc. My income, <laughs> my input, I'm kidding. <laughs> but uh, I fight it occasionally, but now I've got to where uh, you feel it coming on and you beat it, you know. But as long as you're drinking a lot of water and going to the bathroom, it, you can beat it. It's no big deal. All right. Well, I think I speak for all golf fans when I say we want you to get that big house. We're rooting for you to to, to latch on to that young stud who's going to carry you home all the way back to Tennessee. After this interview, it ain't going to happen, is it, Al? Can we just edit the whole thing out? Just cut it all the way out. I'm kidding. We'll, we'll just end it in the pro shop when you met your wife. It's been all downhill anyway. <laughs> That's been a good 30-year ride there with two babies and stuff. So I'm a happy boy, you know. And uh, I enjoy my caddy. I enjoy caddying. And uh, I hope I can help uh, VJ or whoever else will have me sometimes. So. All right. Well, we'll thank, thanks for taking the time to do this. My pleasure to sit in here, boss. And uh, if if maybe you'll need a caddy someday for carry your pencil to the pro. <laughs> you know, I have actually had that idea for a story to play in some 
you know, rinky-dink little tournament, but have a tour caddy a come tour out caddy go along. and and see if it would just destroy me or if it would like take me to new heights. Yeah, I think the, the it, pressure it, might be too much. Yeah, like, I think it usually works the other way. Like uh, I had a buddy of mine that uh, I'm buddies with these guys, the members at Colonial, and they're the coolest bunch of guys. And one of them has a little bit of money. He said, "Kip, you caddy for me on the pro am. Your guy's not in." I go, "You got it. Let's do it." And he just played like the worst he played all year with me reading his putts, and he missed every putt and stuff. So, like I said, I'm not taking you through tour school, Alan. So it's probably what negative. if I got what? Okay, let's talk, let's talk, let's hash this out right now. All right. Like I played in the first T Open the last two years. As nice. It's a great event. It's a pebble. Let's say you had an off week. What would I have to pay you to come out and be my It'd caddy? It'd be huge. I mean, if I'm on the road three and four weeks, you'd be surprised how many people say, Kip, really, my club championship or my member guests or my, you know, the U.S. Open qualifying, please come and do it for me, would you? And I go, I just can't. You know, I've been gone for three and four weeks of time, and now you want me to take Monday through Wednesday. You've, you've never go, done it. I've never done it. Well, I did the I did the Wednesday Pro-Am of Colonial, but I was there. You were there. So. What, give me a number. Just, just. Oh, hey, number. Holy cow! I got a corporate American Express card, man. Yeah. Ugh, I don't see it happening now. I just can't happen. I mean, God, I couldn't do it for. I couldn't do it. The wife would let me do it for a hundred dollars, so I'm not home. But it, it would have a number left of the comma at least. Yeah. And in the middle, it's just up three. I don't know. Three, four grand, five grand, maybe. All right. I mean, that's a lot. That's the kind of. But you can always go down. You know, you can't go up after I tell you something. So. Oh, all right. We're starting we're, at 5G. We're, we're going to work on this. This is going to be a long-term negotiation. Now, buddy, I might do it a little cheaper. You might get the uh, pencil pusher right. Because <laughs> you could kill me. Now you can kill me verbally. You don't even have to write about it. I know. This is, I just, just, this is locked just in. Just press stop. This That's is it. awful. Yeah. Last caddy gig. This is it. After this interview. Thanks a lot. All right. Well, you're going out in a blaze of glory. Yeah. This, this is it. <laughs> go down swinging. <laughs> All right. Thank you, sir. Hi, this was great fun. I enjoy your stuff. Right. Uh, thanks for having me on. All right. We're going to do this again soon. Okay. Well, this is Alan Shippenuck signing off from Kip Henley's hotel room at the Country Inn and Suites. That could be an endorsement deal in there for you, Kipper. Thanks for listening, and we'll do another podcast soon. Bye-bye.